Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. It is Advent, which is the kind of, uh, in, in church terms, the time where we look and we wait for Christmas, anticipating the coming of Jesus and remembering those passages of Scripture that point to Jesus' arrival. And uh, I'm going to be looking at a portion of Scripture in a book in the Bible called Luke. Luke was written by someone called Dr. Luke. He got a load of um, eyewitness accounts together, and he made two books of the Bible, actually, Luke and then the part two, which is like Acts. So Luke is when Jesus... Jesus was around with his disciples, his birth, his death, his resurrection, his life, all the miracles. And then Acts is kind of like when Jesus handed on to the baton to his disciples. And we're kind of a continuation of that book of Acts in terms of the church is still going some 2,000 years later. So that's just so you can locate yourself. Um, when I'm reading. So we're at the beginning of all of that. We're at the moments before Jesus is born. We're at the declaration of intent almost. And I'm going to read from Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 19. And we're going to look at two stories actually today. The second bit I'm going to look at is Luke chapter 1 again, verses 26 to 38. So there's going to be a lot of scripture, so bear with me. But it's Christmas time. I feel like it wouldn't be Christmas time without a few readings. So reading 1, which is Luke 1, verse 11 to 19, we see the story of a man called Zachariah. I may call call him Zach for short, just to help myself. And uh, he is a pastor. He's a priest. He's in the temple, and he's an old man. He's been a priest for a while. Him and his wife actually both come from priestly descent. So he's like a priest of priests, like multiple generations have been priests in his family. He's at church where you would expect the priests to be. And something amazing happens, and then we're going to look at Mary, who's something really similar happens and we're going to see the parallels in these stories and uh, hopefully learn some things and and be encouraged. So this is what the Bible says, uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 11 to 19. If you don't have a Bible, it'll come up on the screens uh, or underneath if you're watching online. It says this, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, talking about Zachariah, standing at the side of the altar of incense. As I said, he was in the temple. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. This John would later become John the Baptist uh, for context. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many people will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make a ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then Zach asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak with you and tell you this good news. We're going to jump to later in the chapter. Now, this is Mary's account. Keep in mind the reading that we've just heard in this story about Zachariah in the temple. Angel speaks to him, says, you're going to have a miraculous birth. You're going to call the baby John. And this is what happens. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we're in verse 26 now, Luke chapter 1. So this 
prophecy, this moment of the angel speaking to Zachariah, it's happened now, and Elizabeth is pregnant. God said to the angel, Gabriel, sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's me, um, name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled with these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. She asked the same question, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from the Lord will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. The title of my message today is, This is for you. This is for you. If you're sitting next to someone, why don't you just turn to them and say those words, This is for you. You're online, you can put it in the chat. I'm going to pray really quickly and then we'll get into the message today. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you're with us. Uh, Lord, thank you for your presence. And I just pray that as we open your scriptures, that you'd speak to us, that you would encourage us, that you'd be with us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Um, question, have you ever tried to get someone's attention but struggled because they were focusing on something different? Like maybe you tried to catch someone's eye, you're trying to get their attention in person. Parents with teenage kids would know exactly what I'm talking about in this moment. That ability just to be locked in, whether they're locked in to their phone and on TikTok, whether they're watching a film and it's at that time, somehow they can't focus on their homework, but if it's TikTok or a film, suddenly the focus is in, they can't hear anything else. I don't know if you've ever had that moment in person, but I think when it comes to digital communication, it can go to a whole new level. I don't know if you've ever tried to communicate with someone, get a message like, this is for you, but they're not responding. I think there's levels to how frustrated you can be depending on the type of digital communication you use. For example, if you send a group email with loads of people on the thread, or you send a group message message on a WhatsApp group or on the like big channel on the work Slack or Microsoft Teams and there's loads of people, quite generic, I feel like it's okay not to get 50 responses to that, right? Like socially acceptable, you may or may not respond to the group message, that's quite generic. The next level is if you get a direct message, whether that's on Instagram or any social media, direct email, direct Slack, I feel like then it's okay to be a little little bit frustrated that someone hasn't responded, but equally they might be busy. You give them a little follow-up email, follow-up Slack, hey, did you get my message? Just to make sure that someone in their busy day, like it's, it's kind of okay to be a little bit upset, but you can just check in a second time. I'm about to give you a foolproof way to uh, get someone to respond very quickly the first time using digital communication. You kind of blend those two things. So you've got the group message and then you've got the specific individual message. 
the overlapping between that, and I've seen it time and time again, whether it's WhatsApp or even on an email with a group thread, you tag the person specifically on the WhatsApp group that everyone can see, and you get an immediate response. Can anyone say amen? You know what I'm talking about, right? It works every single time because you're trying to get the message across saying this is for you. I mean, failing that, the scriptures tell us, maybe try an angelic visitation, see if Gabriel can hook you up, get a message to someone. That also works pretty well. But we see in this passage, in these two readings that we've just read, that there was a message from heaven to two specific people. And we kind of get to be the group chat that sees this interaction occurring. I always find that when it's WhatsApp and someone's been added individually, I'm like, oh, I wonder what's about, <laughs> what's about to happen here. That's what we kind of get to be looking in on these specific encounters that Mary and Zach have with this angel Gabriel, this message that heaven was sending to humanity, this message of hope. And we're going to see and we're going to learn a few things and hopefully it's going to encourage us, encourage us all. The first thing that I found really interesting is that Zachariah and Mary couldn't be more far apart in terms of their worlds and experiences. As mentioned, Zachariah was a priest of priests. He came from a lineage of priests. It says that even Elizabeth was of the order of Aaron, who was the first ever priest in the Bible. So we're talking about a couple thousands of years, generations of priests, and they are in uh, Zachariah is in the temple doing his daily work. He is a priestly man in Middle East, in ancient Middle East. He is a man of nobility. He is, you would expect him to have an angelic visitation. Not so with Mary. At this point, Mary is not Mary, the mother of God. It's just, it's just Mary. She is an average young woman in ancient Middle East. She is not high up in the pecking order of the culture. The fact that an angel would come to her, and equally, she's not in a church environment. She's not in the temple doing the duties that would be done in her family over generations. Right now, it's literally just it's Mary. And I think sometimes when we read the Bible, it's helpful for us to remember that these people that we're reading about, they weren't famous at the time. She was just doing her normal day, a young woman going about her life, maybe even thinking, is anything different, anything different going to happen from today, from yesterday? She is, maybe let's say, she is the average lady of the day. And it helps me because I realize that whether you would more readily uh, like uh, familiarize yourself or relate to Zachariah, the person who's been in church for their whole life, whether you've come from descendants of people who have believed in Jesus for years and you find yourself in a context where you're in church week in, week out, you're serving on a team, you're in a group, you give, you're involved, you're at the worship night in the week, then you went to Lighthouse, you help at Hey Baby, you're massively involved. Sometimes for us, and I've grown up in church, you can think, you get to a Sunday like this message, maybe it's not for me, I've heard this before, you get to Christmas, however many Christmases you've heard about, and is there anything new, does God want to say anything to me, or equally, you might be watching at home right now, Mary was at 
home, maybe having a normal day and you've just decided today, someone's invited you, sent you a link and you're watching. You can be further away from church or a church context and you feel very ordinary, run of the mill, insert your name here. When I see the fact that these two accounts in the book of Luke, when we're thinking about Advent and the coming of Jesus, that a special, direct, specific message would go to these both to uh, would go to both of these people it reminds me that this message of hope this message of good news is for everybody now there's no one that's counted out there's no one that's been in church for so long that you've graduated and you no longer need good news you no longer need hope you no longer need the presence of Jesus continually in your life or there's no one who's so far away who's so ordinary who's so run-of-the-mill who wouldn't be expected to have an angelic encounter that God doesn't want to speak to you today this message of hope is for all of us and whatever thing you would put in to discount yourself from what maybe God is wanting to say to you I want to remind you today or say to you for the first time today that in this gospel story, there is a place for you. There is a place for you. This good news of Jesus Christ, it is for you. I love that about the good news. In fact, maybe just nudge the person next to you one more time and say, hey, this is for you. This is, this is for you. And then we see in both of these stories that the angel then begins to out, uh, unpack and, and say that there is a plan for your life. Speaking to Zachariah, who would have been in the temple, like I said, day in, day out. Maybe his job is getting a little bit monotonous at this point, and he's been able to like do the church thing without even thinking, really. It's got so ingrained. Like I said, generations of priests before him, day in, day out, doing his normal work for God, and then, bam, an angelic visitation occurs, and there is a plan declared for his life. And I want to say to each and every one of us today that God has a phenomenal plan for your life. You may be thinking, okay, there's a place for me, that's amazing, but maybe I just slip in the back and then slip out the back and I don't really get involved. And I, this is fun to be around and I love the community, but is there something that God has for me to do? Hey, I want to encourage you today that for each and every one of us, you're hearing this, you're watching online, that your life has meaning, your life has purpose, that you are here that God is mindful of you. Maybe you more readily relate to Mary, this lady who was just going about her day and then bam, God interrupts her life to say, hey, there is a special plan for you on this planet. I want to encourage any one of us today, maybe because of the emptiness of success, that you've kind of figured out this life thing, this game called life, you feel like, yeah, completed it, I've got the house, I've got the finances, I've got the job, I've got the business, I know what I'm doing, but there's still this gnawing emptiness of meaning and of purpose. I want to encourage you today that there is more to life, that God has a plan for you, that it is full of meaning, it's full of purpose, that you are here on purpose, for a purpose. Or maybe for you, you're going through a really difficult time right now. Maybe the last 18 months or so has rocked that feeling of purpose and intention, that passion for life, that spark that maybe in years gone by you once had. And it feels like, ah, oh, I feel inconsequential. I want to encourage you that that's not true. Your decisions aren't inconsequential, that your life has meaning. It has purpose. Or maybe it's just the mundane monotony of life that has kind of stolen that spark. 
that the day in, day out is very, very similar, that each day kind of feels like Groundhog Day. And that spark, that zest for life has been lost along the way. I want to remind you of the Bible truth that you have purpose, that you have meaning, that God thinks about you, that who are we, that he is mindful of us. That's what the Bible says, that he loves us so much. He is aware of you. In fact, the Bible says he knows the number of hairs that are on your head, whether over the years that has decreased over time. Hey, he is aware of that. He knows you. He loves you. And I'm reminded of this scripture. And second, Ephesians verse 10, talking about the plan that God has for us. It says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to do. And my question is, is could it be today or maybe even over this Christmas season that God is wanting to get your attention? That he is wanting to get a message over to you that this isn't just a pleasant time, that we have warm, fuzzy feelings and remember and hear some readings, see some children's nativities, go to church and sing a few songs. Could it be that God is wanting to knock on the door of your heart today to remind you that, hey, there is a place for you in my story. There is a place for you in this message of hope that I'm trying to get to the world. Could it be that he's wanting to remind you that, hey, there is purpose, there is a plan for your life. Your life is not inconsequential without meaning. The decisions you make can actually have kingdom impact in the hands of God. Could it be that maybe you've made some excuses? That maybe you've said, hey, I'm too old for this, which was Zachariah and Elizabeth's reasoning and thinking, or you think I'm too young, or uh, this isn't for me. I've done this before and nothing has happened. Whatever it might be that you would say to yourself that would count you out of the idea that, hey, there is a place for you in God's plan for humanity, that there is a plan for you. Hey, today, my question is, could this be for you too? Could God be wanting to get a message of hope to the world through your life? I don't know what your world looks like. Maybe your colleagues in the workplace, the people on your street, the community that you're a part of, the, the gym that you attend and the people that you go to that class with. Could it be that God has a plan to get a message of hope to them through you? That God has a place for you in his message of hope. That's what he was trying to get over to Zachariah and to Mary. And naturally, they both have the same question, like I would. They hear this amazing declaration, like the angel has got their attention. They're focusing. They're stopped in their tracks, whether that is at work or at home. They have this encounter. Here's some amazing things that are going to happen through their lives. And then quite naturally, they ask the question, how is this going to happen? They get real practical with it. I don't know if there's any people who are real practical in your default. Um, In reading some leadership books, namely uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek, you kind of hear about three different types of people in the workplace or teams or homes uh, or social settings. Uh, I've kind of given them generic names and... um, 
hopefully, uh, there's no reason why anyone would get offended by any of these names. I thought, do I go with something that's like more my culture? But I thought Tandal Wenkosi or Makawe wouldn't really fit what I'm trying, what I'm trying to do. Um, so there's like meaning, meaning Mick, and uh, this is us in the context where you really need to understand the values, the reasoning. Like you want to like understand the culture of what's trying to be built. Maybe it's Christmas and you're like, okay, why am I stressing out thinking about buying turkeys and presents and queuing up? I need to know the why. I need to understand why we're doing this. And you're like, okay, cool. Family is important. I want to spend time together. Food helps that to happen. It's going to be amazing. You just need to understand why. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to look at the scriptures and say, Lord, what are, we what are you trying to communicate to us? What's the meaning behind this? So that's kind of like our character. Then there's Visionary Vic. Visionary Vic is all about the what. Excited. This is the person that has the phenomenal pitch deck, right? That you talk to them, they can probably talk you into doing anything. Like they're the person where you say, okay, New Year's Eve, what's the plans? They're like, yeah, let's go to central London. It'll be amazing. Like how are we going to get back? Don't worry about how we're going to get back home. It'll be fine. It's going to be awesome. We'll see the fireworks. Like the vision sounds incredible. You're on the plan now and you picture like, oh, there's no Ubers. What's going on? How do I get home? Visionary Vic is the person that can get you to do anything. And in this story, this is the part that the angels play in. Declares phenomenal vision. This is exciting. You're going to have a child. It's going to be amazing. This is what the child is going to do. The child's going to be called John. It's going to be prepare a way for the Lord. You're reading it. You're thinking, oh, this is incredible. I want to be a part of this. You're going to have a child. Your name is Jesus, Savior of the world. This sounds incredible. And then we see Mary and Zach. They're playing the part of practical Pat. Practical Pat is the person that asks how, right? In, in your workplace or in your home, this is the person who is like, is good with the accounts and the budgets. That's practical Pat. They know how much things are probably going to cost. They're thinking about the how. And obviously, we have like a selection of these people in us all, but you may have a default that you go to. Anyone know any practical Pats? Maybe you are. Just give me a little bit. Okay, a little bit of a wave. Take courage because Mary and Zachariah were just like you. They have this question of the angel, okay, practically, how is this going to happen? Like, biologically, like, I'm a little bit old. Mary's like, uh, I'm a virgin. How is this going to occur? Can you explain to me the plan behind this phenomenal vision? And I find the angel's response in both stories incredibly interesting and insightful. Because if, instead of pulling out, this is the moment where you pull out the 10-page the, the page plan. This is the moment where you get the business plan out. This is the moment when you bring in the financial forecast and say, this is how it's going to work, Mary. Don't worry. Like, it's going to work out. You're going to have enough money. Don't worry. She's like, I don't know how to look after a baby. I've never done this before. Don't worry. I'm going to teach you. This is, the per this is the course you're going to go on. This is how it's going to work. Instead of that happening... Join me in looking back at our scripture to see the angel's response in Luke chapter 1, verse 18. And we'll look a bit further on as well. The angel says to Zachariah, when he says, hey, I, I'm old. How is this going to occur? My wife is well on in age. The angel says to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Same question that Mary asked. She says, how will this be? This is in Luke 1, 34. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
And I find this so interesting that instead of answering the how with a 10-page plan, the angel responds to the how in both stories by answering the question of who. The angel says to Zachariah, hey, I've been sent by God. That's who has sent me. Says to Mary, hey, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And it just made me think that how often when it comes to the things that God has for our lives, and we're going to be finishing up in a moment so the band can join, but the things that God has for us, the exciting things, the fact that he wants to use us, and maybe you have the question, Lord, how is this going to work? We have this phenomenal vision to reach the people of East London and flood them with hope that the good news will be known in every household in this area, that God would do something phenomenal and we would see transformation in our small part of the world. How is this going to happen, Lord? Or God, he wants to use you to positively impact and bring hope to the people around you. And maybe your response to the plan of God for your life is, Lord, how is this going to occur? Start looking for the 10-page plan, Lord. Can you tell me each and every step? But how interesting that much more important than the how is the who. It's God saying, hey, this is a message from the Lord. Him saying the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. As if to say, don't worry about the plan when you're with me. I will help you to figure that out. I will be your wisdom. We can so often get caught up in thinking about the resource, but the angel is saying, hey, don't worry about the resources. Remember who the source is and points them to the Holy Spirit. And my encouragement for us today is, especially in this season of Christmas, that it's so easy to look at the practicalities and worry and fear start to enter our hearts. And you think, how is my life going to be full of joy? Lord, you promised that in your presence there is joy forevermore. How does that even happen, Jesus? Or Lord, you promised that you will be an ever-present help for me in times of need. You promised that there will be comfort in the difficulties. You promised to be my provision. How will this thing, these things happen? And I want to encourage us today to not get caught up in the how, but to remember the who. To remember that God is with you. That he will never leave or forsake you. That in his presence there is fullness of joy. That he is the source of our comfort. We see this throughout scripture, this consistent reminder not to get caught up in how everything's going to happen and how it's going to work out, but to know whether it all goes according to plan or it feels like the plans are all over the place, that God's promise is that his presence will always be with us. See, we get to the end of the Gospels and Jesus has to remind his disciples of this truth again. He says, I've got a phenomenal plan. I want you to go out into all the world, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Making disciples of all people. And then he tells them, hey, don't get, don't get too worried about how that's going to happen. I mean, these guys didn't have Google Maps. They didn't have any airplanes. They didn't, probably didn't know America existed. Right? How are you going to do this? How is the gospel going to get everywhere? Jesus says, behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. See the same thing happen in Acts, this part two of the gospel. It gets to them, and Jesus has to remind his disciples in Acts chapter one. He says to them, listen, don't do this without me. Because that's the temptation. When we know the plan, we've got the resources. It's like, Lord, thank you for the plan. I'm going to crack on now. 
I'm going to do what you've asked me to do, and the temptation is to do it without him. Jesus says to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem. Before you do what I've just asked you to do, wait. Wait until the gift of the Holy Spirit comes, my presence that will be with you wherever you go. And that's my encouragement to us all. It's like, let's not try and figure out the plan so that we can do it in our own strength. And then they actually say to him, Lord, can you tell us the times when this is going to happen? Practical Pat rears his head again and says, how is this all going to happen? What's the timings? Give me the 10-point plan, Jesus. And he says, hey, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. My encouragement to us today is in this season where it's so easy to think about resource, think about the practical plans, get caught up in the, the doing of everything that we forget to be present with Jesus. That the whole idea of this Christmas message that is for you is that one of the names of Jesus that we often remember in Christmas is Emmanuel. Quite simply, God with us. Now that's the whole aim. That maybe today, if you've counted yourself out of this Christmas story, it's just something to enjoy at this time of the year, that you remember, hey, there is a place for you in God's story. That he has a plan over your life. That he's got some good things that he's prepared in advance for you to do. But that place and that plan is not meant to happen separate from his presence. It's not something that he just sends you off to do alone and say, hey, come back when you've fulfilled the 10-point plan that I've given you. How am I going to do this, Lord? Let me crack on without you. No, he wants to be with you on every step of the way. That really almost his plan is his presence with you. That's the idea of this Christmas message. It wasn't just about the plans that he had for John the Baptist and what Jesus was going to do in the 30 years he was with us. Rather, it was that God's presence will be eternally with us, that he will be Emmanuel, that the Holy Spirit is available to us now, this continuation of the story, that his presence is still with you. So I don't know what the how that you might be worrying about or contending with might be right now whether that's in a work context, a family context, home, social, spiritually, trying to figure some things out. And honestly, I don't have the answer to everyone's how in the room. How, how could I? But I do have the answer to the who, to Jesus. And that reminder to say, what would it look like if we took a moment to say, you know what, Lord, would you help me to become more aware of your presence? Would you remind me that you're always with me? That my difficulty right now to figure out the how or any of my fears and worries that I have, that's not a sign that your presence isn't with me, that you've promised to be with me always. That my success isn't a sign that I've graduated from needing to know the how, that I've figured it all out, that I'm all good on my own. Actually, I'm still desperately in need of your presence. That nothing would separate us. No success, no failure, no mundane monotony would separate us from the presence of God. And maybe today, just like Zachariah, just like Mary, that God is trying to get your attention to let you know that his presence will always be with you. And in a few moments' time, we're going to 
We're going to take communion together, which is just a reminder again to say, Lord, thank you so much for doing everything you could so that we could be together. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.